This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm Brandon Worth. Across from me, the wonderful Joe Nagy here on the Most Valuable Sports Podcast today, January 18th. It's a great day outside, I'll admit, Joe. It's a little gloomy. I broke out the shorts today. Dude. It's in January, too. Dude. Well, I mean, it's only like 22, so I mean, it's not yeah. too bad. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's like a low 20s, so yeah. you can manage. I mean, you're not walking across campus or anything. You're just walking to your car. Yeah, I mean, it works. So I'm rocking the pants today. I'm rocking the old joggers. I'm not going to risk it or anything. I don't want to get sick and have to go through a whole process. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, I you know how it is. I'm more risky for the biscuit type guy. So yeah. I mean, I you guess. are a runner, so I mean, probably your whole wardrobe is like 80% of shorts. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm used to running in sub-degree weather, and sometimes, you know, maybe days like just, today just feel nice. Yeah, maybe you're just warm-blooded. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. But track was in action as well as other sports. We'll get into those as well as some NFL playoffs as Ayo. what happened to some of those teams as well as... The GLIAC scoreboard returns. CCHA scoreboard returns. Ayo. And that's me. I do that. I do that on the show. You do that, Joe. That is Joe's thing. He's been so excited to bring it back, and it's finally making a return. Plus, college basketball. Ooh. We well, talk I haven't about talked about hump. that in a little exactly. bit. Exactly. But before we get into the Fair State Sports Report, if you are not subscribed to us on YouTube, go right now to your computer. Go type in the MVSP on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button on our videos. We're posting our full shows there if you prefer to listen to your shows on YouTube. Hey, another great platform. Or our best bits. I know we posted one yesterday of my rant towards the MHSAA, so you can check that out on the video tab and make sure to subscribe for more. I think Joe has saw a rant on there as well. Yeah, you have your rant. I got my Travis. rant. Yay. Spencer Rattler, top Spencer three. Spencer Rattler, garbage. Oh, brother. You'll just have to go on YouTube and watch those right now. But Fair Stage Sports Report, we will start on the, on the hardwood? Yeah, hardwood. hardwood. Let's go on the hardwood first. Um, so men's basketball and women's basketball started Thursday against Grand Valley. We'll start with the, with the women's. Just not, just not enough time. It I guess really, so. It was just a little bit of a rough go around the final, and that one was sixty-seven to fifty-nine. Grand Valley taking us in that one. Uh, I mean, really, we were we were very resilient in the second half. I mean, we were we were down big early on. I believe the deficit was I be, I want to say twelve at halftime, and we ended up clawing back to get within I think four or five, and then uh, Grand Valley just closed it down the stretch, but. I mean, really, the biggest thing here, Joe, that I saw and hearing from some people that were at the game is we just could not hit free throws. That really killed us. Yeah, when you're at the line, you really have those free free shots, and you got to be making those. But the one thing that I saw, too, is like Grand Valley was on a seven-game win streak when they came into this game, especially being home to beat a team that's – I think I said that for – I think when we previewed this game. But when you when you go to that spot and we go to a GV and then you go to have to play them while they're hot and while they're on a quick little win streak, it's going to be tough to you know squander that momentum and that energy that they have. And I mean, when you don't hit your free throws and kind of when other stuff don't really go your way, it's not going to be the best. So hopefully when we play them the second time around, uh, when they come to Jim Wink, we'll be able to kind of pick it up a little bit. But it seemed like we were just... It just seemed like we weren't really getting too much off our bench too much. I mean, Adrian Anderson, Caden Blanchard, Mally McCartney all over, uh, all in double digits. So they were able to produce, and Zoe Anderson was just shy with nine, but our bench didn't really... Uh, have much going on I mean there wasn't any points coming off the bench so when you just have your starting five with your only really production of the night it's going to be tough when you get later on in the game and you might need to have your bench players come in for a quick little rest to maybe produce a little bit and you're not going to be able to do that because I mean Grand Valley was almost the same story I mean Hadley Miller for them uh, came off the bench and scored a quick six so it was a little bit about the same but I mean they still Really, they show why they're number one in the GLIAC and why they have a, a big win streak going right now. Yeah, I mean, they're they're a fantastic team. I mean, we can we can set the rivalry aside to say that. I mean, they're at the top of the division for yeah, a reason. really good. So, but does that mean we still can like them? No! Well, no. They're still Grand Valley. But we got to respect that with the way they played, especially their, I mean, they, they definitely hit some big three-point shots. I think they finished overall as a team about 40% from deep, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And then that's just really hard to defend. I mean, we ended up we we were able to counter a little bit with some fast break. We got some fast break buckets and some big moments. But I mean, I mean, really, I think it was just simply like I mean, physically down low, we got out advantaged a little bit as far as our bigs are concerned. Uh, but I mean, overall, still 
were able to make up for it down the stretch with some big three-point shots, but at the end of the day, just ran out of time and on the on the road. So just a, a tough loss. I mean, you go to eleven and four, five and two in the Gliac Grand Valley, up to thirteen and one, and six and one in Gliac play. I mean, just uh, just got just got outplayed. Got to be playing by a good better, team. you know. Yeah, yeah, hate to see it. But yeah. if you want to hear some scores around the Gliac from the women's side, absolutely. Fair State, uh, Fair State. Earlier in the week, uh, we were able to top. No, later in the week was it? Yeah, later in the week, seventy-two to fifty-five over Davenport, which yep. we'll get into that in a second. Northern Michigan uh, fell to Wayne State, who is near the top of the Gleak, fifty-six to seventy-one. Northwood was able to get the win over Purdue Northwest in a pretty close one, seventy-eight to seventy-two. And then uh, the following week, uh, Monday, when a lot of these games got postponed, it kind of pushed aside. Northwood played again against Parkside, eighty-five to seventy-eight, and Northern Michigan once again fell to Purdue Northwest in a nail biter, fifty-nine to fifty-six. Oh, all right. So those are, hate to see it. Yeah, the Wayne State game definitely jumps out to me. I mean, they they really gave us they really gave us a tough test, especially down low. Uh, I mean, we mentioned Sam Cherney with the crazy rebound numbers. But, yeah, you mentioned the the Davenport game was a really good bounce back for this team after that Grand Valley loss. I mean, it's it's a tough pill to swallow, but, I mean, they, they really did a great job. Not Maybe, I mean, the first quarter, hearing from Coach Westendorf in the postgame and hearing some of the things on this game following it, I mean, we started off pretty slow, and they, they really gave us a little run for their money early on. It looked a little scary, not going to lie, but uh, after the after the first quarter, we we really buckled it together, especially in the second half, and really made really made a nice run, and we were able to get this one, like you said, 72-55. to 55. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, shot the ball much better, did much better down low. I mean, we out-rebounded 52-31. to 31. That is huge when you can get those. Uh, free throw line, I'm sure that all, all the ladies would admit they could do better. Uh, I mean, 59% not going to get it done, in the, especially when we're looking at March. Like we're yeah. gonna, have, you're gonna have to make sure that we hit those shots. But I mean, being able to get the size advantage down low and be able to use it is definitely a positive thing looking forward for this team. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the one thing that they can look forward to, especially with Lake State coming up later this week with on Thursday. We're gonna be talking a little bit more about that uh, on our Thursday episode. But that's one thing that we can look forward to is Lake State. It's gonna be a solid test, but I think we can get the W, especially being home. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Mallory McCartney had uh, 10 rebounds, 8 points, and 6 assists. Almost a trip dub. Almost a trip dub. Uh, Maya Hiram led with 15 points off the bench. She played very, very well. Zoe Anderson had 12. Adrian Anderson had 8 as well as 5 rebounds. I mean, really saw a lot of good production off the bench like we were just talking about in the Dav- or the not the Davenport game, the Grand Valley game. We saw a lot differently in the Davenport game. A lot more, a lot more minutes for the players off the bench, able to get some minutes and really put together some very solid performances so I mean good bounce back I mean Davenport was definitely a team that you would prefer to have after a game like Grand Valley where you just need to pick me up a little bit so um, that one certainly is going to be a little nice going into this week. They got Lake State, and that we'll get to those games, of course, for the full previews coming up on our later week's Thursday show. So you can check that out for sure. But moving over to the men's side, we only had one game this week due to the the Davenport men's COVID situation. That game was canceled Saturday, but we postponed. Did... It's going to be postponed to February four. Yes, February four, February seven. Is it February 7th? Somewhere around Man, there. I know. Check, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fa- check Fair State Athletics. And yeah, be like, FairStateBulldogs.com if you want to know the exact date. But Grand Valley, we got the W. Yes, anchor sir. Down. Anchor down, baby. 83-76 final. Good win. Big win. I heard it got pretty chippy. I heard that as well. I heard that apparently our Bulldog fan base showed up in Allendale. Oh, let's go. And that's good to see. So I was going to go, but I had a nasty little headache. And Ooh. I was like, mm, I'm not going to go. That is not pretty, but that definitely was a fun game to follow online. And I mean, really was just seemed like a really fun game to be at. I really wish I was there, but yeah. I'm just I mean, hearing we got, the we stories. Got, but. We got the rematch coming up early oh, February. Yeah. Oh yeah, we won't miss that for sure. But uh, Lee Higgins had 21 points as well. Dorian Louie had 23. Those guys shot extremely well from deep, a combined 8 of 13. Scorching. Goodness gracious. Walt had 10. Logan Ryan had 6. Um, I believe Walt actually was his be- his biggest contribution was not scoring it was on the boards getting some clutch rebounds he had nine boards in this one and we had a lot of good production off the bench as well I mean we really I mean when this team gets hot it's really hard to stop I mean 44 percent from deep uh, I mean really down low was a dog fight both ways by what it seemed like I mean both I mean Jake Van Tuberen had he had a good outing down low for them but I mean other than that I mean. Delon, or 
It's Deleon Brown. He 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 played pretty well, if I remember yeah. correctly, from the the broadcast listening live on ninety seven point three with Robin Sandy. Did a great job as always. But voice of the Bulldogs. Oh, absolutely. But uh, I mean, we we made the good plays down the stretch, and really we're just we're really just able to to hang on to this one. I mean, they 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 clawed their way back, but I mean, we made our free throws and we got it done. So. Great win for the dogs. Moving now to, I believe now twelve and three, seven mm-hmm. and oh, the Gliac play Grand yes, Valley sir. Falls to nine and three and three and two, and we are at the top of the Gliac standings, Joe. Bruh, you wanna know what's crazy? What? I don't know if this is true, but on the Gliac standings, it shows like your points all added up in the last ten. Yep, we're averaging a hundred and twelve points in the last ten games. Isn't that ridiculous? What? <laughs> Last 10 games, we scored 1,124 points. That sounds sounds about right. We're averaging a quick bucket. That is ridiculous. That's... In that's in, that's t- I can't... That's in insane. 100, yeah, last 10. 1,124 points. Holy smokes. I mean, we had the 100... Saginaw Valley's ahead of us. They're, they have 1,175. Oof. I think. So we had the big one against Drury that I watched. 120, we had 124. Wayne State, I believe, was about 100 to uh, 104. And then we had the Duluth game. We scored 107 in that nail biter. Um, there was another game, 120 against Purdue Northwest. So, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, mm-hmm. those put together and add up. That's crazy. But Saginaw's ahead of us? I wow. Think so. Unless I might be reading this wrong, but I that's think crazy. that's what it is. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, but we're at the top, though. That's all that matters. The W's. doesn't matter how many points you score. Yeah, as long as you come true. out with more at the end of the game. That's factual. That's factual. But shall we hear some more scores from around the Gleek? One second. Got to scroll down. Not prepared for this. I'm just going to fill the air real quick before I get down to just the some, bottom. Just some positive nonsense. You yeah, know, just yeah, to some fill the time nonsense. and distract everybody that's listening. All right. You know, but that right. Thursday, Kick from it. scores around the Gleek, Northern Michigan can't top the Redbirds of Saginaw Valley. Cardinals topped them 87-85 in a quick little nail biter. Wayne State falls to Michigan Tech, who is just behind us in the top of the GLIAC standing, 62-51. to Our dogs, obviously, topping over Grand Valley, anchored down 83-76. to Parkside beats Purdue Northwest in their little rivalry, 83-76. to And then on Saturday, we didn't play, but some other teams from around the GLIAC did. Michigan Tech did not beat Saginaw Valley, 66-49. That That's was, a pretty inter- that was a good game. interesting, surprising outcome of that one. Northern Michigan stays undefeated on the weekend. Yeah, undefeated on the weekend. No, not undefeated. My bad. Said that wrong. They fall the Wayne or they beat Wayne State eighty eight to seventy eight, split the weekend. So they're pretty good for that. I think they're now middle of the pack for the Gleak as well. Mm-hmm. Grand Valley gets to bounce back against Lake Superior State, eighty two to fifty nine. Bodes well for us as that's who we play this upcoming on Thursday. And then Purdue Northwest and Parkside played another game on Thursday. Surprisingly, I think that was a reschedule, ninety-four to sixty-nine. Okay, so there you go. There's the Gliac scoreboard presented by statistician himself, Joe Nagy. That's me. So you can check that. Check out more of those games on the Gliac website as well for all the standings and all the fun stats that we're apparently finding live on air this morning. So love stats. Good stats are great. We love to. We love stats. Stats are nice, but <coughs> stats don't determine your yeah wins. don't 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 determine the old, old outcome of the game you know? yes AKA. well in a way they do but in a way they don't you know yeah, what I'm exactly we know exactly what you're saying but transitioning over now on to the ice we had a home weekend series against st thomas split bro can we sweep a weekend like is that just like impossible for us to do like we play Seems so pretty hard we play so good friday and we we literally played so good Friday. We were able to get set up. We had goals that were actually like look good, like passing plays and stuff like that. And for somehow reason, our dump and chase was actually working. Probably because St. Thomas's defense is atrocious. But then you go to Saturday, and like we just play like we've never played hockey before. We play like we're like the worst team in Division One, which St. Thomas is. I'm pretty sure. But like we go three okay three zero into the into the third period. We're down 3-0. We then score three to tie it, okay? And then with, like, five seconds left, we lose the game off just a, like, cluster in front of the goal. Yep. And it just squeaks in. Let me tell you a funny story, actually. When I was tweeting this, when, uh, I think it was... Um, <laughs> oh, this is a great story. Who scored? Who? Uh, Evanel. Blake Evanel scored the tying goal. Yep. And I was like, I tweeted out, I was like, Blake Evanel keeps, keeps the game alive, like... 
get ready for I don't think I said get ready for overtime, but mm-hmm. I was like keeps the game alive. We're tied at three in like the last minute of play. And then I was like, all right, I'm not going to tweet this out because I'm pretty sure we're going to lose this game. So I wait till about like 30 seconds after we score. I press enter. It tweets. And then literally I look over on the ice. I see them going down and I see the puck go in. And then I just was tweet. I just tweeted out, my bad, spoke too soon. We <laughs> lost the game. And then I just tweeted that out. And then yeah. that was about it. Yeah. But if that, doesn't, if that doesn't show you how much fun I have as a t- – tweeting for this <laughs> hockey team i don't think you'll be able to understand but that was just heartbreaking it was heartbreaking i'll tell my side of the story as well uh, i was coming back from allendale for our first indoor in or our first indoor invite we'll cover that in just a minute got back around i, I want to say around like 8 or 8 20 8 something i come in with like i believe there was 16 minutes left yeah stewart scores the power play goal yep so I, I knew we were down 3-0. I was checking my phone on the bus ride back. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I'm texting you. I'm texting Travis. I'm like, what's what, what what's going on? Like, this 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 outcome is not what we were all expecting, okay? And I'm being transparently honest. I come in. Stewart scores a goal. I'm like, all right, all right, 3-1 and everything. Then Dirk scores when I, I'm, like, walking up to the box. I'm helping you guys out. And then Blake Evanow scores from the blue line. And I think the funniest part of that whole thing was um, Sean Snead, good friend we had on the show, who mm-hmm. does stats for the Hawks. He, he literally said the phrase, shoot the puck already. And Evanow rips it from just, like, just in front of the blue line. And that's the one that ends up tying it with a minute to go. And it was just the funniest thing ever. And then... We're still we're starting out the the scoring. We're getting the assists down. We're watching the replay. We're checking in with the CCHA officials, making sure it's all right. We finally get it all, and then boom, that happens. The St. Thomas goal, and then we have to like scramble, get it all the plus minus stuff. Oh my gosh, it was just a chaotic last. I mean, the last minute was just pure bonkers. chaos. That's the one thing too is like that, especially that game. There is a lot of chances that we could have turned it around early. Like, there was, I think, like a minute in, Marshall Moist got, like, a rebound and just had a wide open, probably three feet of the goal to shoot from, like, a foot away and just didn't shoot. Like, it was, like, deer in the headlights, and he just passed it off. If he scored there, we would have been up early. And then we had another chance, I think, about, like, ten minutes after that where he was eight. I I don't know if it was Marshall Moist. I forget who it was. But, like, we, I think, went off the post, I think it was. And so there were just a lot of, like, pretty simple mistakes where if we just fixed it and been able to like make the goals that like we need to make and the one thing too that I've noticed especially against St. Thomas and like these some of these goalies of these other teams that have like trouble with like rebound control and making it so that way they're not really covering their backsides we do not have anybody back door no we don't have anybody back post and I know could that be too. you know that those are the games that we could score five six goals every game if we just had someone covering back door and getting those rebounds because from up in the booth, it seems like that's just a simple thing to do. But there's just nobody there, and I don't understand why. And I think that's one thing that we got to work for Bemidji State because I don't, I haven't really been paying too much attention to Bemidji. But I think that's the one thing is like, if we're able to get those cheap goals, like cheap goals are goals. It doesn't matter how they are. Like a win's a win. And I think against Bemidji, who I, who I'm pretty sure is in the top ten of the nation right now, if I'm not mistaken, like they're up there. It's gonna be a really tough go about it. And then we got Bowling Screen, Bowling Screen, Bowling, bowling screen. Green. Following that, the in two weeks, so I don't know. It's gonna be a rough one for us because I don't. We don't really have much like guaranteed wins left. We have Michigan Tech and Northern, who we were able to keep it close, and Lake State coming up. But like Lake State's away, Northern's away. We have Michigan Tech at home, but Michigan Tech is so good. Mm-hmm. So like, it's what are you gonna really want to make of this final season? I mean, you're seven and seventeen. Try to get to that double digit mark, but. Those three wins are still a lot to ask for. Yeah, and I I remember the recall of the broadcast with um, Harrison Watt and Scott Kendra who were yeah. doing the the broadcast for us, and they were specifically like going over the tables. Like six points is what we need. We were within that mark from Saint or from Lake Superior State, who now we're going to be playing here upcoming soon. We needed those two games because that would have hypothetically, because if I recall, Lake State lost both games this weekend, correct? Yes. I mean, we actually let's just kick it right to the CCHA scoreboard before I make my point. Yeah, for sure. So kick it off with Lake State. Michigan's Tech beat them three zero on Friday, and then Saturday they were able to beat them again three zero. So yep. quick little six goals to none on the weekend. Minnesota State, Northern Michigan eats number one teams for breakfast. Oh dude. my goodness! Four to two, they top them on Friday. They do fall uh, four to one on Saturday, but Michigan, but Northern Michigan, I'm pretty sure they beat 
UMass at the year of the year. Duluth. Duluth and Minnesota State, wow. which is ridiculous. So good on them. They were able to play. We almost beat them. So yeah, we almost beat them twice, too. Hypothetically, uh, what is it? The transitive property, we're the number one team in the nation. But anyways, Bemidji yes. State, uh, they split the weekend with Bowling Green. They beat them 5-3 on Friday, but then lose in OT in a heartbreaker 3-2. Hey. And then obviously... We beat them. That's true. We did we beat, beat them. Bowling so we went <laughs> transitive, so transitive property. property. We beat Bemidji. Uh, okay, no case. And then, yeah. as you know already, St. Thomas, we split with them on the weekend in a sad one. Fair State, 3-1 on Friday, and then 4-3 on Saturday. Okay, so they lost, Lake State lost both games, and they're the next person to us in the standings. We could have caught them were within two if we would have beat St. Thomas. That's mm-hmm. a game changer going in, because especially with because this team does one thing really well. We're able to beat teams or get to be ahead of teams and have the position to beat any team in this conference. We've yeah. done it the entire year, right? We took down Minnesota State when they were number two. We almost beat Northern, who transitive property is number one right now in the nation. <laughs> I mean, we <laughs> Almost beat, beat Michigan Tech. We almost beat Tech. Should have beat Michigan State. Like, oh my gosh. Michigan State's Michigan not Tech super great, win. but like still. Yeah. Only, the only them. one I think Michigan Tech was the one where I think they strictly outplayed us that yeah. that entire weekend. But I mean, that, that that stuff happens. So, but based off of that, like we could get within the two games of Lake State. And yeah. now you go down the stretch where, hey, we can do what we do and squeak out to one or two against good teams. Now, now look where you're going, especially if a team like Lake State struggles or mm-hmm. who's ever next ahead of them on the, the, the standings. It's probably what? Bowling Green next? Uh, it goes, I'll just read it from top to bottom. Minnesota State is at the top. Bemidji State is second. Uh, Michigan Tech third. Bowling Green fourth. Northern fifth. Lake State oh, it's sixth. Okay. Ferris uh, at seven. And St. Thomas at eight. Yeah. So if we hypothetically finally get over the hump, beat, beat Northern once, we squeak out a home one against Michigan Tech. Hey, we beat Bemidji last year already as well. We can add that to the list. Mm-hmm. We haven't played Bemidji yet this season, so that's like the one downside. Yeah, is that, that, is, that is very true. But, I mean, the fact of it is, like, we were able to squeak out the games like we've done before. And yeah. some of those teams get in a slump. Yeah. Now you're flipping up on the standings. Now we're getting favorable matchups in CCHA playoff play. Well, but I know. That's, what, that's why that's we what you're those saying two games is like, and especially if you look earlier on the season, like if you just flip some of those games, like flip one of the games against Northern, we're six and Northern's 500 at that point, and we're kind of close to getting them. Beat Lake State both times, then you we're at a spot where we're above them. Beat St. Thomas both times, now we're tied with Northern Michigan. Beat Bowling Green both times, we're above Northern Michigan. So instead of sitting at seven, we could have hypothetically been at eight if we were able to hold out on some of those games and get a little bit better of a record. But since we weren't able to really match it or get those sweeps of the weekend that we were expecting, now we're sitting at seven and we're kind of playing for pride at this point rather than actually playing for, for anything. Yeah, it's it sucks. I mean, me and Joe are having a hard time like keeping keeping our composure. We're not talking having about a good. This. It's not a good season. Like it, it, we're yeah. just not good. I mean, we're, I mean, the past is the past. The games already happened. Whatever we can we can go back and change anything we want, and it's not going to change, right? The thing about it is just the the heartbreaking fashion of what this season has come about of like how many games we've talked about we could flip and all these perfect these we've had opportunities all year mm-hmm. and we just haven't been able to capitalize and that that just hurts for a good hockey team like we have and that that just we we have to close out on these opportunities like hey, we we have to at least we get free food I mean that's true I mean of course we get free food but. I that's mean, the, that's I like, like the, that's like I'd the only like thing. I like free food and a W, please. Yeah. That, those, that's what I want. That's what I want on my plate. Yeah, let's eat one against <laughs> Mid- Midget State. Come on now, uh, it's gonna be cold over there, by the way, as well. So yeah, if you if you follow play. Harrison Watt on Instagram, you can see that <laughs> he's starting at negative twenty six in Midget right now. Bring your scarves, I guess. Isn't that crazy? Sheesh. Just a little side note, like, isn't that crazy? Like, you with like <laughs> landlocked uh, states, like that don't really have water. Like, so like. Michigan, especially with like water around it and like maritime climates are a lot more mild because the water able is like able to like even it out a little bit. But like it's crazy how like in Minnesota, like they'll have like ninety, a hundred degree summers, but they'll have like negative twenty, negative thirty degree winters yeah. just because like they're so landlocked and they don't have like large bodies of water around. Yeah, them. it almost becomes bipolar by season. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like they have such extremes to it. Like Mich- that's why Michigan is such like an not an anomaly because we know why it is. It's because of the Great Lakes and stuff. But like that's why Michigan is so like 
such a nice spot in the winter and such a nice spot in the summer because it's like you rarely get those 100 degree days so it's most like upper 80s mid 90s yes so it's yeah. very interesting come to michigan that's my little pitch for hey you. <laughs> come to michigan it's a little bit more stable yeah a little bit Ugh. that's that's saying something though yeah. that's really saying something but anyway hockey will be in action at bemidji like we just mentioned friday and saturday puck drop at eight o'clock on friday saturday seven o'clock eastern time because bemidji's crossed the line into the central time zone so follow those online uh com and the Ice Hockey Live Stats as well as the broadcast will be available on Full Hockey TV as well as on the radio, 97.3 Sunny FM. Anyway, moving now into track and field. My yeah. sport is back. Brandon and, plays that sport. Yay, I do that sport. Well, not... Yes, not that over you the weekend. You do that running. Good job. Yeah, but we're, How'd we'll, it go? How'd we'll it go? We'll get there. Hey, the meet was good. We had a lot of good performances. Uh, I mean, really, it was just good to, to be back in the, the field house again, being able to watch everybody. Um, just really, I, I mean, it's just been such, it's been so long. I mean, last year was just a weird season because, I mean, we were required to run in masks. Yes, that was a really very interesting idea, but... You can just imagine that, I mean, no no people in the stands, similar to like what basketball was. I mean, some of us were competing in masks. It was just it was just not a great situation. But yeah. So last year's season didn't feel like a, a real season. It kind of felt like just an abbreviated season. So it really was weird. Now we're kind of back to like, oh, okay, so things are starting to open back up a little bit. So it felt back to normal. But mm-hmm. uh, some really good performances. I believe there was, I, I want to say, 21 top 50 marks if I remember correctly that was put out on the recap and I thought that was really cool that we got that recognition because sick man I mean top 15 doesn't sound great on paper like it's like oh top 15 but you got to think there's 50 to 70 people in some of these events so the fact of it is like well a lot of our team did did very very well so uh, but it, it was a great weekend um, at the Bob Eubanks open I mean it was a a great venue, of course. We mentioned how much that Grand Valley has nice stuff, and we definitely appreciate them letting us use it. But um, so overall, um, final times for you. Um, Danae Feldsposch, runner-up in the 800 meters in her debut in indoor. Really well done. Kayla Huey was 10th. Katrina Drowski in 12th. Kayla Roberts, 12th in the 400. Emily Frederick, 15th as well. Hannah Brock, 14th in the mile. Um, Eva Stefan, third overall in the weight throw of the invite field, which is the higher tier. Um, she threw 51 uh, 51 meters, so that's pretty impressive. Dang. So uh, Claudia Wilkinson, ninth in the high jump. Um, Ray Lee tied for fourth in the 60 finals as well as 16th in the 200 meters. Um, Kevin Wilson, a.k.a. Keith Wilson, uh, 203 in the 800 to finish seventh. Donis Harris, sixth in the mile. Noah Griffith, 12th at a 424, um, as well as Jake Zamita, one W's in the shot put in the open flight section. So good for the dogs, really good performances, being back in action at Saginaw um, this upcoming Friday, not a Saturday, kind of excited for that. So going to be going to be a good time over over visiting the birds at the Doug Hansen Open. Nice, dude. Going to be fun. But anyway, you can find more information on that online, of course. To finish out the Fair State Sports Report, tennis was in action over the weekend. They went down to visit the Broncos of Western Michigan. Uh, not the outcome I'm sure they would love. Like they fell six to one in the exhibition uh, overall. I believe we had one overall outright win. Yadik Mater and Ayush Dishwal won their double section, and then I believe we had two. Or two or just one. Jan won his single section. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually the only ones. I apologize. So, but I mean, hey, a Division One opponent in Western Michigan that is at that plays tennis at a high level. I mean, we're conference, we're reigning conference hey, champs what, right now. This is what so. happened last year. We lost to Western Michigan, and then we went on a quick little tear. Yeah, exactly. So, not really too worried about it. Did you read off my notes? No. I was about to say that. No. Hey, you know what that means? We're just on the same wavelength. Minds We're just on the same wavelength. Telepathy, baby. But hey, back out finally. It's been a hot minute since they've been able to get on the court again. So I'm sure that they were glad to break the rust off and get back in action. As you mentioned, it is just an exhibition. So the wins and losses truly don't matter yet. Once we start getting actually into tournament play, 
then they'll start mattering. But mm-hmm. the, they will be back. I believe their next bout is going to be against Finley, February 12th, where I believe the official season begins. There might be some more exhibitions in there. If there will be more added, we will let you know. But that is the Ferris State Sports Report. When we come back, what happened in the NFL Wild Card Weekend? And is there some coaches that have found their way out after leading their team to the playoffs? Stay tuned. Are you looking for a place to make an impact? Eagle Village could be the place for you. With over 53 years of experience making a difference in the lives of youth, there are many opportunities to serve today. Make sure you visit eaglevillage.org to find out where your journey may begin. Eagle Village, where potential source. And we're back after our quick break. Now we're going to hop into some NFL. Going to go to the gridiron. NFL wildcard round. Nuke playoff format this year. Great way to start it off. Some great games, Brandon. Or some of that. I mean, we can start off first with the Raiders-Bengals if you'd like. But there are some great games. Yeah, yeah. We can go in order here. So the first game, Raiders and Bengals to start it all off. What a game. I mean, you have what? Pretty Joe much you, Shiesty. Uh, That's about it. That's all you got to say. <laughs> exactly. Wear the glasses proud, big fella. You have earned your franchise their first playoff win in 31 years. Holy Great. Congrats, crap. Cincinnati. Uh, 30, 31 years. 31 That's years. insane, dude. I just keep saying that over and over. Final score was 26-19. The Bengals beating the Raiders to move on to play the top-seeded Titans in the next round. I mean, Cincinnati looked like the... They had the upper hand early on. I mean, they won the first quarter, uh, I mean, for good reason. I mean, they, they responded pretty much perfectly, near almost near perfectly to everything in the first quarter. I mean, the Raiders start off with a field goal. They, they go for six, and then they get the turnover, and then they get the field goal. Yeah. Um, then the you know, Raiders did a good job, though, adjusting in the second half. They really, they really stuffled them for a little bit there. But, I mean, really... I mean, Derek Carr turned it over on that that final drive on the goal line on the fourth and goal. I mean, I mean, kudos to them because they look like they were completely out of this game after that field goal um, by McPherson at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Because I mean, at that point it was what twenty six to it would have been twenty six to ten. Yeah. So then, is that right? Yeah. No. Um, no, no, no. Let me, let me get no, no, no. It was twenty six to sixteen at that point. Yeah. So then they ha- they ended up getting the field goal. You were like, okay, twenty yard field goal. Is that really worth it? Then they get they force the punt. They get down inside the ten. Final possession. They go to fourth down and it is intercepted on the final play of the game. Well, just that that play was like he didn't even throw it towards the end zone. He threw it like three. Three yards short. Like, the guy he was aiming for wasn't even in the end zone. And there was three Bengals defenders around him. Yeah. Like, even if he caught that ball, like, there's a slim chance that he's getting in the end zone. Like, why Why would you not just go, like, a quick... Like, like why would you not just send three guys in the end zone and one guy short and kind of make us that way? They, like, they had to focus on the guys in the near back of the end zone and kind of try to get that guy to sneak away. But, I don't know. The Raiders, I was kind of... I don't know. I didn't really like how they played too much this game. They were a little bit slow. They were able to play pretty solid in the second quarter, but, I mean, it was that third quarter where they didn't really do too well. That kind of put them away, I'd say. And then, obviously, that last play of the game, too. But, I don't know. There's sometimes where, like, you look at it, and it's, like, it's just the same thing of, like, when the Seahawks threw the ball on the one-yard line. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, like defy logic. (laughs) When you look back at it, they probably wouldn't run that play again. But, like... You just want to think like what was going through their minds when they were when they're like, yeah, that's the right play call to do. Yeah, it, it it was just it was just really a tough one. I mean, Derek Carr played fantastic football at the beginning of the year. He kind of slowed down down the stretch, and I did find this one statistic: the Raiders were they're four and zero when Derek Carr is playing at his best when he has a hundred plus quarterback um quarterback rating. In games that he's not above 100, they're six and eight, which included one of the or included this game on Saturday. But I mean, there was one thing that I thought was pretty fun was like you start off you want a high scoring like a 50-50 to start off the, and then you get four field goals from each team in this game. So that that's just crazy. And by the way, that is the first time that's ever happened in NFL history: a playoff game with both teams making over four field goals. Dang. Wow, pretty cool. Bengals are moving on. And without con- or with controversy, of course, with that play that resulted oh, yeah, that in was... the end zone that was stopped where a whistle. Officials said that they thought it was after the catch. 
everybody on the field and that watched the play pretty much knows it was before that the play was even like pronounced dead. That yeah. the touchdown stood. Bengals got a touchdown out of it. And as a result, that, that officiating crew is likely not going to be back in the playoffs. Yeah, most likely. That, I, don't think, are... I think it's it sucks because it's like, I'm sure like the crew, I mean, they know they made the mistake. And it, and it sucks that they're going to get punished for it. But in reality, nobody wants to have any of this happen again. Especially when we're talking about conference championship on the line. Yeah. Potential Super like, Bowl about. It's good that it happened in the wild card round. Yeah. To a team like the Raiders, mm-hmm. who most likely was going to get knocked out next round, <laughs> like, Ouch. and the Bengals probably will be too. I mean, I don't know if they'll be able to. Like, Titans are pretty solid, but who yeah. knows? But like, it's good that it happened this round. Sucks that it happened, but there's no other in the playoffs. There's no other round you'd want this stuff to happen in the wild card round. Yeah, we just we just can't let anything like that happen again, or else we're going to be bored out of our minds. Yeah. The fact of, oh my gosh, like this is insane. And not only like being bored of just like cuz it makes the game more exciting when there's controversy, but then and then again it just makes it worse cuz you're like, "Oh, was it a real win? What was it?" you know. But at the end of the day, Bengals had more points on the scoreboard when the clock hit zeros. So they're moving on to play Tennessee with a potential Derrick Henry returning. Oh boy, that's going to be fun. Uh, Second game in the wild card, the Bills and the Patriots. Boy, oh boy, are the Bills back and hungry. 47-17 over Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Boy, domination on the offensive side of the football, Joe. Yeah. I don't know. I thought Patriots going to win this one. <laughs> I thought that Mac Jones is going to be able to play a little bit better. But, dude, I think the Bills just really showed up and were able to <laughs> – it was, what, two degrees, windy, Bills mafia. They were, they were selling tickets for, like, 20 bucks. Did you yeah. see that? Mm-hmm. Just because, like, nobody was showing up at all. But, dude, like, I would not. Ex- I was not expecting – if the Bills won, I was going to be like, oh, they're going to win by a touchdown. But 47-17, to 17, I thought no chance. I knew – Probably Julian Edelman's punch in the air right now. Dropped a 100K bet on the Patriots uh, Buccaneers Super Bowl, but that's not going to happen, I guess. So, dude, that's just unfortunate for me, honestly. I was kind of expecting the Patriots to win. Yeah. Really I, sucks. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to pick the Bills in this one and because uh, I strictly wanted to see the offense play exactly how they played in this game. Josh Allen over 300 yards, five touchdowns. He was awesome. Devin Singletary. Looks like the running back that the Bills have been waiting for for a long time and what they hoped out of him when he was drafted. So, I mean, with that offense, having that second dimension on the ground with Josh Allen and Devin Singletary makes this offense even more lethal and more multidimensional. But at the end of the day, the Bills really look like one of the most dominant teams in the AFC after this win. I mean, beating Bill Belichick, not only beating him, but beating him by 30 is a statement by itself. But I think it's really... If we knew the Patriots are going to win this game, they're going to have to slow down the Bills because they don't statistically do well when they give up a lot of points, and that's just the way that they they like the style of play that way. I mean, the numbers prove it. They are 0-6 when opposing teams score over 25 points this season. So that by itself can prove my point exactly. But at the end of the day, Mac Jones admitted, hey, I made some rookie mistakes they happen. I'm gonna have to make it better next year. And that's and that's that's really that's really good character. What I saw from Mac Jones. I mean, the fact of it is, is he didn't play his best and he admitted it. So, I mean, the Patriots definitely look like. I mean, just what they proved this year. You have to be like, man, you can't just count them out of like every year, especially with guys like Bill Belichick and that staff. Um, well, minus one name that we still have grunts with as Lions fans, but I mean, they still put together a pretty solid team for really not having that much as far as talent-wise. I mean, they did a great job in free agency. They brought in a lot of guys, and I mean, Mac Jones took them to the playoffs. So, hey, you got to give kudos to them, but Bills are going to be moving on, and that's going to be a fun bout because they will play the Kansas City Chiefs after their 42-21 win. Sends Big Ben finally into potential retirement. Sad. I think it's sad, but I think Pittsburgh fans are just finally, yeah, it's over. I think it's his time. Yes. You know, like, it was it was in the conversation of him retiring, like, three years ago because, like, his skill set now has gotten really just, like, heavily dependent on just, like, throwing. Like, and it always has been, really. Like, when he was younger, obviously, he would scramble a little bit. But, like, now it's, like, he has 
no chance of getting out of the pocket. Like, he is not going to scramble ever. So I think it's now for, like, Steelers fans, like, they really appreciate and, like, love Big Ben because he's a Steeler for life and he's the greatest Steelers quarterback to ever play. I mean, other than Terry Bradshaw, I mean, you can make that argument or anything like that. But, you know, it's just, like, it was his time. You don't really that's It's like the conversation of, like, when is a good time for, like, you know an NFL legend is still playing, but, like, when is it time to hang up the cleats? Like when Yeah. Because he was way past his prime. And it's like you hate to see him go because he definitely wants to stay and he definitely wants to like be a part of the Steelers culture for forever. But it's just like he's not the guy to lead them to court to Super Bowls anymore. He's not like a Peyton Manning mm-hmm. who'll be able to end his end his career off with a Super Bowl win. Like at least Peyton Manning was a little bit more mobile, but like especially against Kansas City Chiefs, it was just rough. it was just tough. I also knew they were not gonna win this game when Big Ben himself was like, Oh, the fifteen teams were probably the worst team yeah. here. Why would you say that, dog? And I mean, especially like the beginning of this game, Pittsburgh was winning. In the second quarter, they were winning 7-0 to zero after T.J. Watt ran in that fumble return. And they also picked Patrick Mahomes in the first quarter. I, th- I love the comparison that um, like that I heard a lot of like people are saying about are saying about the Steelers and it reminds me of like if I were to make like my own they're like the pesky barn cat that's not yours like they don't you don't know how they got there but they just won't go away you know like that yeah. was just what the memo of the Steelers this season but at the end of the day I mean Kansas City really got it together in the second quarter after they were, they seemed like they were trying a little too hard at the beginning on I mean especially with that trick play where they had Hardman handed off and that was the fumble that resulted in that fumble six the fumble and rumble at the beginning of the game but I mean 21 points in the second quarter and then ending up pretty much running it out in the third quarter and I mean I think they had what was it five if I'm counting them really like one two three four five six straight possessions with a touchdown six straight after I think their first three, four, five resulted in a punt or a or a punt or a turnover. So Kansas City, when they're playing their best, can be can Super Bowl contenders. But in the reality, I think the biggest thing is what happens if they play early on in games like against Buffalo, who they're going to be playing now. Where they start off slow, are they going to be able to come back? Yeah. Especially with the ability for Buffalo, the Bills to score. Buffalo is not just going to be putting one touchdown on them. No, they're going to be putting two or three. And I think if they come out slow at all, they're going to you know be kissing that goodbye because you know Bills are a different breed. And I think if as long as you kind of keep on going, I mean, obviously they won a Super Bowl and they went to the Super Bowl the following year, so they know what it takes to get there, and like they know what it's going to happen if like you start out slow and stuff, but. How much are you going to be able to rely on Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes to, you know, get you guys touchdowns when they're slow? And then you're going to have to have your defense step it up. And if they don't play good, then you know playoffs are the time where you got to be on your best, best efforts all the time. And if you're not, even if you slip up once, that could cost you the game. So. Yeah, exactly. But moving over to the NFC, Buccaneers beating the Eagles as expected, 31 to 15. Not much to say about that one. Really. Nah, it was dominance from beginning to end. I mean, the Bucks showed why that they are the number one seed. And I mean, without without some key guys, I mean, they had some offensive line that got banged up early on in this game. But I mean, they 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 still the backups, the reserves came in played pretty well i mean there's yeah. a couple of times where you were worried like when tom was in there at the end of the game and you were saying oh my gosh why is he in the ball game like if he gets hurt it's over but i mean tampa bay is just they they look like the team to beat i mean it's going to be really interesting to see how they face up um against their opponent which we'll get into in just a moment but i mean really tom brady is just hard to bet against in the playoffs at any any sort of year regardless of his team because he's lost godwin he's lost a b and I don't know how many times that they've had a lineman go out of the game, but he somehow gets that team together, gets them ready. And, I mean, these guys really, they really are playing their best for him right now. And, I mean, it's just incredible to see what he's doing at such an old age. Yeah, exactly. I don't, every time I see Tam, or Tom Brady, like, my dad is like, I don't like Tom Brady, but I respect him because he's like, he wants Tom Brady to retire. And I was like, dude, Tom Brady's not retiring until he's 50. Yeah. Like, if he's able to put up 45 touchdowns in a year at f- age 44, he's he's past his prime, like, I would say, like, mobility-wise, if you know what I'm saying. Like, just because he's not young anymore. But I don't think he's anywhere past his prime in, like, leading a team to, like, a Super Bowl. I think, like, he probably has, like, one or two more in him, I think. And, like, especially against the Eagles, which is kind of like a gimme game for the first round. But, I mean, they're... 
the one of the top seeds, so it doesn't really matter. But I mean, thirty-one to fifteen, it kind of showed out like he's still ready to play. Like he can still dominate a team that is not very good. Anyway, who do they play when? Who do they play next week? They will be playing the Los Angeles Rams, who beat the 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 Cardinals. That's going to be a tough one. Thirty-four tough to eleven, one. and we know Rams beat them earlier in the year. So, yep. so I, it's going to be interesting. I know Joe is definitely going to be. You're picking the Rams, right? You're you're sticking to your you're sticking to your home run week one pick, right? <laughs> you know. Here's the thing. I <laughs> I had to write an opinion piece of an article, and I wrote it on like. We're, we're, Lions fans are in a good are good with Dan Campbell. Like the future Lions are good in Dan Campbell's hands. And in one of them, I was talking about how we have like the Rams pick uh, for this one, so we have two first rounders. So then that made me think like, far the Rams go, <laughs> we're not gonna have a great pick. Yeah. <laughs> so, but also it's Matt Stafford, and I want Matt Stafford to get a ring. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, you picked them as your dark horse Super Bowl champion. I know. I think I got to stay with it. Dark horse oh Super Bowl champs. I think the Rams are going to be able to. It's going to be close. I think it's probably going to be a high scoring game. Um, I don't know if because like Tom Brady, I think is is like one of the only guys who can kind of pick apart that that Rams defense. Like just because, I mean, Carly Murray just got absolutely pressured every single time he touched the ball. But I think it's going to be Rams. Are probably going to be scoring like thirty. It'll be like a, I think it'll probably be the same thing, like a thirty-four, twenty-four kind of a repeat of what they had early in the season. But I don't know. I have like Rams. It's going to be close. Even though the Rams, if they keep on going, the pick depreciates in value. Either way, it's kind of have a win some, you lose some. Because every single Lions fan is rooting for the Rams right now. Yeah, I would. I would say so. I, I mean, I like what Sean McVay's done with this team, and I really like the dynamic behind it. I mean, I went into this game with picking the Rams, and I, I. The Cardinals just looked they they don't look themselves anymore and they really haven't since all the injuries and all the bugs going on and in the middle of the week so like yeah. 11 through 13 where things just really went off the rails and you know what the number one contribute to contributor was that right what the Lions and the score failure that is what that is the conspiracy on what derailed the Cardinals season and I mean <laughs> you lose to Detroit that's not good but failing to put the score up and having a tw- a Twitter universe calling for your head doesn't help either. But, I mean, from that point on, I mean, hey, the humility ran them out of the playoffs in week one. So, or I should say lack thereof. But, I mean, Cardinals still, they, they were proven to be the best team in the NFL. But at the end of the day, the Rams' defense really showed them what's up. And Kyler's just a little, you know, I mean, he looked a little too frantic. That's mm-hmm. that's frankly he looked a little bit too frantic, and I mean that those times I mean when you don't have your composure in these big games, these playoff games, you're in trouble. Yeah, and that's, that's true. exactly what happened. Yeah, that's true. I think I don't know when Cardinals they kind of they kind of pooped the bed a little bit against the Lions, and I think that like you said, kind of derailed their career or not their career but their season a little bit. So yeah, it's gonna be tough, but. The final wild card game on Sunday, the most talked about, I would say, hands down. Our upset, what happened? San Fran, 23 yes. 17 over Dallas. I forgot hey, who I said about this. Stuff. We know I some forgot. stuff. Did I say 49ers? You did. We yeah, all, we yeah, all let's did go. around the table. Let's so. go. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, Cowboys fans. Just go root for the Yankees, the Lakers, or somebody else. <laughs> who's... Yes, but hey, you know what that means, right? We all almost went undefeated. In our picks last week, I was six and zero. Trav was six and zero because he stuck it all off my paper, and then you were five and one as well. Mm. So hey, oh, yeah, I, that's pretty solid. Yeah, because I said what the you guys I said Pats, Patriots, which so. is a very realistic pick. I mean, you don't bet against Belichick in the playoffs most yeah. of the time, but this team was just not quite ready yet. But San Francisco, Dallas. I mean, frankly, like I mean, 49ers start off red hot, scored ten straight in the first quarter. And, I mean, from then on, I mean, they had that Cooper touchdown with about five minutes to go in the second. You're like, okay, this could this could be a game. And then they come back. They answer with the field goal before the half. It just looked like they were dominating the trenches. And then, I mean, the Cowboys' defense, I mean, I'll, I'll give them credit. They stepped up a little bit there in the early the fourth quarter to give their team back in it. I mean, they scored 10 points in that fourth quarter to get it within a score. Yeah. But they killed themselves. They, they killed themselves. The Cowboys were a better team on paper. The 49ers team, I trusted the 49ers because I loved what I saw from that new scheme. And frankly, like that team is playing really good, disciplined, fundamental football. And I mean, that is something that I, I really like seeing from playoff teams when they have, when the chips are down. 
you're not going to necessarily have the fall apart like the Cardinals have more talent than fundamentals as mm-hmm. opposed to the Niners. It's a difference. But Cowboys are not disciplined. Not a disciplined enough team. They committed 14 penalties in this game, and there was times where they were, I mean, the McCarthy call on the draw at the last play of the game, there was just just dumb mistakes. That's really all it was. Cowboys were a better team. Undisputed Super Bowl contender. Yeah. And they just blew it away by no one else but themselves. Yeah, especially with the old Dak play at the end. Yeah. but What was he doing? Was, like, was that a right call? The call draw. I think I think it would have been good if he just scrambled to the outside because if he from where he was at when he slid, there was an open lane to the to the uh, sidelines, mm-hmm. and when he got there, it would have been about seven eight seconds that you know was left on the clock, and they would have still had the first down, and it would have been a solid spot. But I don't know why he decided to go slide, give it to his center when the judge has to touch the ball first. Mm-hmm. Like that's just that's just a thing that like a leader and especially a seasoned vet like him like that's been playing in the league for a long time and has been playing football for all of his life like you should know that like in those situations get to the especially when you're trying to drive down and get into better field position with less than a minute left and you have no timeouts get to the outside get there and if that doesn't happen get the ball to the official first yeah especially don't let the and get out of the official's way don't let the official run into you so it's even worse yeah but I don't know. That's the one thing. I know Cowboy fans are disappointed, but like I said, go root on the Yankees or the Lakers or somebody else who's you know favored to win every year. Yeah, uh, this is uh, I'll say on that play, America's team. I don't think it was that bad of a call, personally. And I, I, I mean, it sounds. You mean, uh, you mean calling the calling uh, the draw? I mean, yeah. it was. I didn't. I didn't hate it because no, he got far. I didn't hate it. I, some people hated it, and I was like. It kind of makes sense. You're thinking too out. I think you were thinking a little too outside the box, if that makes sense. Yeah. But the reality is, if that play would have worked, I'm I'm not like I'm not just saying like you should go bury that call in a coffin right now and just delete it from society. Whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm what I'm saying is the discipline of that play was not was not estimated correctly because in reality, what does ten extra yards do in a scenario where I mean, you're at the 30 and the 20. I get, I get that. But, I mean, 30 to 20 in a touchdown or nothing scenario, I mean, hypothetically, you're going to be throwing a ball that's close to a Hail Mary. It's, yeah. a, it's, it's, it's a modified Hail Mary at that point. I mean, you're going to run routes, but they're going to put prevent back there. Everybody in Madden knows that that plays Madden knows what coverage they're going to be in at the end of the game, right? You're going to have, like, a five-long prevent in the end zone. What does an extra five yards get you when you have no timeouts? Yeah. Why didn't you slide five yards earlier? And not only that, you made the good point. The umpire has to touch it. So why are you going to make that that, tr- that transaction even happen? Why are you going to let that happen? Like, you got to just give the imp- yeah. umpire the... And they're like, oh, well, he was behind yeah. the play. You, like, like, no. you had like three you or four more. You wait for him. Then he puts the ball down, and then you get a snap. That saves two seconds instead of clustering it, ready to give it to the center, and yeah. we're now trying to make the snap, but you can't because you got to wait for the umpire to get in. Now there's a cluster. Oh, my gosh. Now, and that game over. Yeah, that's that's a, exactly what happened. That's the one thing is like, especially when your mind is going like a mile a minute trying to come back, or a million miles a minute. A mile a minute is very slow. Yes. A million miles a minute. Very slow. And like, you're, everything's just bounced around your head and stuff like that. It's important for a guy like him who's the leader of the offense to, you know, be able to kind of stay cool under pressure, make the right decisions. And it's like, you would think it would be tough to do, which it is, but if you're a guy who's a franchise quarterback and is, like, expected to do this, then, like, you need to be able to, like, you know, slow down, take a – I want to say take a – not, like, take a breath, like, where you, like, take a break, but just, like, make it so that way your head isn't, like, thinking about all these things. It's tunnel vision on one thing. Or not tunnel vision either. It's, like, just you're aware of everything, but you're able to keep it in a way where – you're where you're not like messing up your focus. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It sounds a little bit weird, but you like as a guy like Dak Prescott, you gotta be able to do that. Yeah, they Cowboys under underplayed. That that's that is 100. percent I think what everybody would admit at this game. I'll make a bold prediction right now. What is it? 12:36. 12:36 p.m. January 18th. Mark it down right now. Cowboys will not have any any coordinator or coach that they have from this game next season. No McCarthy, 
no Dan Quinn, no Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore will get another job somewhere. Dan Quinn will get another job somewhere as a head coach. And Mike McCarthy will be sitting on his couch next year. Yeah. There you go. That's my that's my bold take for maybe January. Maybe I'll make another one next week. Who knows? I mean, bull calls are fun, especially when you get them right. But anyway, to round out the show, we'll go back to the hardwood. Men's college basketball at the Division One level is something we haven't discussed enough, so we'll get into that here at the last couple moments of this show. Uh, I mean, right now, Gonzaga's now reclaimed the number one spot after pay- Baylor, losing two straight after a 15-0 start, and you know how much I like Baylor, Joe. But I think, honestly... Auburn is a team that I'm really excited to watch this year. I mean, Auburn's killing it, dude. They're at 16 and one. They're on a huge winning streak right now. 13 games, mm-hmm. 13, 13 games. dubs in a row. Woo, dog! I mean, that's in, that's impressive stuff. But I mean, Purdue looks good as well. Wisconsin's getting up there behind the big performance and Johnny Davis. And I mean, frankly, right now, what teams look? What teams sparking your eye here that could be making a big run here towards the end of March? I really liked Purdue at the start. And just kind of like when they got number one for the first time in their school history, I was like, oh, yeah, Purdue will do pretty good. And then they lost to Rutgers, and they kind of had like a little bit of a slow. I mean, they're on a three-game win streak right now. But, I mean, so four, so they're not too bad. I'm really looking forward to what Baylor's going to be able to do. I think they have a good chance of going back-to-back. Uh, Duke is kind of surprising. I wasn't thinking that they were going to be able to come back, especially with Coach K's gone, right? Yeah. Especially with, you know, it's the beginning of a new era, so like their whole program's kind of going through a revamp. So I'm excited to see where they're going to be able to do, especially later on in the season, if they're going to be able to crack that top five, and if they're able to going to get back to maybe one or two. That's only if Gonzaga kind of slows it down, and Auburn slows down a little bit. And then our team too is I'm honestly excited for Michigan State to kind of see where they're at. I mean, Rocket Watts, I think is he's tr- transferring or he is already transferred. I haven't really been following them too close. I think they have, but I thought I heard that somewhere. But, you know, Michigan State, they had a little bit of a slow one last year, especially ever since Cassius Winston left. They were kind of a little bit slow, but I don't know. They're, they're looking pretty good, so I'm pretty excited for to see what they're able to do. I was unfortunately going to mention you that Rocket Watts is no longer with our MSU. He's with another MSU, Mississippi State. Ah, uh, so but I mean their guard play has been great. I mean we saw the, we saw the the big buzzer beating win for Joey Hauser and the Spartan crew. I'll be I'll be frank there. They've been a really good team. Definitely not the the since or I shouldn't say definitely the best Division One team in our state. That's for sure. I mean Michigan yeah. Michigan does not look good right now. Our t- uh, I mean I'll just say this like Michigan State has a younger team that's polished that has a lot of great fundamental play i mean we've seen it hands down from all these games that they've played and i mean i mean they they haven't like blown teams out of the water like per se i mean they they really like i mean they only beat like a couple conference teams they beat minnesota by eight they beat penn state by 16 they beat nor or northwestern by six they beat nebraska by 13 they're not blowing teams out of the water for say but you ha- you don't have a question they're going to win because they're playing high quality basketball right now and I mean that team right now, th- I mean Tom Izzo's the squad, though they they always play hard they always play efficiently and they always get the job done and I mean you got to respect him what he's built right now because I mean you got guys like Gabe Brown Max Christie Malik Hall, uh, Joey Hauser as mentioned Marcus Bingham our little buddy from. That was brothers of Michael, who plays for Ferris State as well. Hey-o. And then Mike Peterson, our favorite player as well. But, um, I mean, that team looks really good right now. Michigan has the young talent that is extremely raw. and They're not polished enough yet to make a huge run in March. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, there's still time to turn it around. Yeah, I mean, 7 and 8. They, yeah, like you said, there's still plenty of time. So they could really make a push for, you know, later in the season get a good spot for the Big Ten Conference champ, Big Friends Conference Big Ten Conference Tournament. Yeah. Man, I can't talk today. Yes. It's 1240, but I feel like I just woke up. I know. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. They are definitely – it sucks because I just wish that they'd be playing better and, like, it was just another one of those good years, especially, like, last year and stuff like that. But, you know, hate to see it. We'll see how they do. But, you know, there's always later in the season. Never, it's ne- A lot of season left, a lot of games left to play. They're not going to be easy, but I think if they really dig down, get some grit, they'll be able to do fine. Absolutely, it's for sure. Oh, I didn't. I didn't take my my pick for Mar- March team. Oh, uh, I really like what I've saw from from Auburn. I love the way they play. Uh, I mean, I guess you could consider them a contender right now. So I can't really put them as as my selection. But I will say this. I mean, Illinois has done pretty well without without Ayo Desumu leaving and then not having Andre Carbello for the last couple of weeks. They've still been playing really well. So I mean, you could always see that team going up 
But, I mean, I've been really impressed as well with uh, what Wisconsin has done. I'll be frank with that. I mean, Johnny Davis is one of the best players in college basketball right now. Maybe I mean, he could be undisputably the best player in college basketball because he has really willed this Wisconsin team because, I mean, they've always been good, but they've never been, like, truly great. And this year right now, they're looking great right now. I mean, they, they've only had a couple losses this year. One of them was at Ohio State, which is really a tough place to play. Yeah. And I believe against Providence early in the year, that's only two losses. And, I mean, they got Ohio State back at home oh, by 10 this last week. They beat Maryland. They beat Iowa. They've beaten some really quality teams. And, I mean, they Wisconsin always seems like they have, like, the same team forever. Mm-hmm. But they always figure out a way to to get the job done when it comes to making a little bit of a run in March with that experience. Yeah. So I like them as my dark horse as of now, but of course in two weeks that will change. But thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate your view. Make sure you follow, subscribe, and whatever podcast platform you are on, and make sure you follow us on social media and be tuning in for our next episode coming up the end of the week. There might be a player interview. There might be an MV3 as well. You will just have to wait and see. But until next time, take care, everybody.